0: Log Talk Radio.
1: of BAM's Radio. We're so glad to have you as we celebrate six straight number one recruiting classes by the University of Alabama football program led by Nick Saban. Wow, what a day it was yesterday as the four stars and the five stars just kept rolling off that fax machine in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BAMAMag.com, joined as always by Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. We'll be joined in just a few minutes by a good friend of this show, William Redfish Barger. He'll kind of co-host with me for the first hour. And in the second ha- hour, we will have a couple of different guests. One of those is John Garcia from BamaMag.com and Scout.com. And then we'll close out with Rodney Orr from Insider.com, who delivered a resounding talk today at the club here in Birmingham about that self-same recruiting class that, again, did finish first in the country for the sixth straight year, there are four major ranking services. Alabama finished first in three of those, uh, the three of those that most closely evaluate prospects, I might add, and those are Scout.com, where John and I work, Rivals.com, uh, 24-7, and uh, the one that Alabama finished sure. second in was ESPN.
2: Carried, yeah. Thomas, you were saying? No, I was saying your computer just spun up and uh <laughs> we could hear it. Um no. Uh you know, good to talk to you, Carrie. I'm sorry. And uh it was I think you said it best. It was a lot of fun watching Alabama shoot up the recruiting rankings. You know, we said this past week, uh, last week's show, excuse me, that Alabama had a whole pack of silent commits and when they were suddenly not silent anymore, up went Alabama and here we are.
1: <laughs> and here's the thing, uh it's not over with yet necessarily because Alabama is probably going to get a visit from a five-star Monday of next week that went unsigned yesterday at a position of need, number one. And number two, the young man was formerly an Alabama commitment. And I was talking specifically about receiver Demetrius Robertson of Georgia. Uh, Georgia made a run at him, didn't get him. Uh, Notre Dame made a run, didn't get him. Stanford uh, is uh, telling him that he needs to improve his test scores. He's taken it several times, thus far has not qualified, and may or may not qualify. But in an effort to kind of end the process, he called Alabama yesterday, and this is a former commitment now that that dropped down, wanting to visit a a position of need, uh, a position where Alabama actually lost a verbal yesterday to Kirby Smart. And uh, so... (laughs) And also Alabama was hoping to get another wide receiver out of Mississippi that chose to go to Ole Miss. So wide receiver is a, a, a position of need, and there is room to take one if they can convince Demetrius Robertson, hopefully to just commit and sign on his official visit next Monday. He's big on academics, so I'm sure that uh, all the professors, maybe even Dean Carr himself from engineering, will be involved in that visit uh, heavily. And uh, that that's an ongoing situation that We'll get more information on from some of our our guests tonight. But I got a chance last night to go down to Tuscaloosa and hear Coach Saban address the Red Elephant Club about the class and as he always does, he allowed each of his assistant coaches to make a statement about the guys they signed yesterday. That was interesting. And um actually learned a little bit about some of the signees that maybe a few things that I didn't know anyway. uh, uh for example, one young man who we've all had considered as a safety is probably going to start his career at linebacker, that kind of thing. Uh so that would be Sean Jennings, a young man that I actually scattered a while back on my Friday Night Lights column. But uh you know, and now it really started yesterday. Saban is already making calls to twenty seventeen prospects. And we'll talk about some of those as well. But we've got a really big show lined up for you tonight. Uh Uh, If you have any questions, feel free to call us. Uh, Thomas,
2: what's that number again? If you want to join in on the the post-signing day celebration at 714-510-3707, we'd love to hear from you. We would, and
1: you can certainly feel free to ask questions of our guests as well. All three of them are open to taking calls. Uh, Thomas, I'm going to give you a chance to go ahead and start working on Redfish, and I'll quickly run down the class while you do that. And believe me, listeners, this is much shorter than one of my participation charts. Uh, The number that signed turned out to be 25, and it included uh, Charles Baldwin, Christian Bell, Deontay Brown, Raquan Davis, Mississippi, Trevon Diggs, B.J. Emmons, Miller Forrestal, Jalen Hurts, Sean Jennings, as I mentioned earlier, Kendall, the Hulk Jones, Nigel Knott, Mississippi, Chris Owens, Aaron Robinson, the surprise of the day, a three-star that Bama took from Florida out of the state of Louisiana. TJ. I'm sorry, out of the state of Florida. But a three-star that can play wide receiver or safety, Aaron Robinson. T.J. Simmons, who already enrolled and play chalkball. Jonah Williams, an outstanding tackle prospect. Quentin Williams, an outstanding defensive tackle prospect. Uh, Shaheen Carter, uh, who, while not from Mississippi, uh, a certain school there thought they had him locked up, and Bama took him. Ben Davis of Gordo, who I scouted in person. Terrell Hall, Josh Jacobs, and and there's an interesting story about Josh Jacobs that we will wait to tell you until we are joined, hopefully by Drew, around 830 Central, and if not by Drew, then by Rodney Orr at that time. They're both privy to the story, and it's a great story uh, about how Josh Jacobs ended up in the Alabama class, a very underrated running back from Oklahoma. Jamar King, a 26-year-old junior college player, who uh, is an interesting story as well. Scott Lashley. Mississippi, maybe the next great little down the road, not right now, but maybe. Jared Maiden, a great defensive back. Urban Smith, a true tight end. That was needed, especially when another one flipped to Missouri, uh, probably some emerging, that being the scales. And then Dell Mack Wilson of uh, Carver Montgomery, another guy that I signed, uh, scouted in person and I had a great opportunity to see him play. Some of the misses, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive end of Mississippi, it was thought to be a Bama-Ole Miss battle, battle, and he got up and signed with Mississippi State on his live press conference. That was kind of odd, but I understand his high school coach is a big state guy, and they'd already been embarrassed by losing A.J. Brown, and so uh, to help them get the egg off their face, his high school coach urged him to sign with State, and he did, even though Alabama thought as late as 1130 of the previous night that they had uh, Jeffrey Simmons locked up as a defensive end in this class. It didn't happen. Crazy things happen every year in Mississippi on signing day, but of the five they really wanted, Alabama got three, and if you can bat 600 in that state, that's still pretty good. Another guy they really wanted was A.J. Brown, the receiver from Starkville. He was an Alabama-Ole Miss battle to the bitter end with State kind of third at the end. uh, Alabama did lose that battle when he signed with Ole Miss. Those kind of things happened. But uh, he is a four-star and a very solid player, and he's been compared to Julio Jones. However, if Alabama is able to snag Demetrius Robertson from Georgia sometime next week after his official, it would not only more than make up for not getting A.J. Brown, it would also vault Alabama past Florida State into one ranking ESPN where Alabama will be second. But Alabama is a consensus number one and a composite number one, and that's six years in a row. And, Thomas, that is going to be the second year in a row where Alabama will field a team this fall of five classes that were ranked number one by the majority of the services. They did it last year. They won the national championship, and they lost one game. This will be the second year in a row they'll field a squad of five top classes.
2: You know, at the risk of being completely flicking. A <laughs> I mean,
1: Absolutely. you can break down the class and, and say they should have got another receiver or they should have got another defensive lineman. But you know what? Nick Saban agrees with you. He admitted that. He, he did. He wanted another defensive lineman and another receiver too. It ain't just you, listeners. It ain't just me, Kerry. <laughs> it's it's the man at the top wanted another receiver and another D lineman. And we'll work relentlessly next week to get the receiver part taken care of. Right. And also it, it's it's not out of the question that uh there could be another graduate transfer, uh a la Richard Mullaney at one of those positions. Uh, I've already heard talk of a receiver. I, his name escapes me because he's not committed to us yet. It doesn't really matter. But I've already heard talk of a receiver that's in a very similar situation that Richard Mullaney was at that goes to Bowling Green and plans to graduate and go somewhere. Sure. And so we'll, we will uh, we will see if he is evaluated as a take. He may not be. If they get Demetrius Robertson next week, he may not be needed. But you know, Never rule out taking a graduate transfer from the D line either. That's a very extreme possibility. Very extreme possibility. So and then um uh, I am gonna give Thomas time to get our first well, guest on the phone. I've, I've I got do him wanna talk a little bit.
2: I've got oh Carrie, well, I've got him. I'm sorry.
1: I, I guess we're we're back to that deal of not being able to read the chat. Okay. Yeah. I well i to go yeah. ahead and bring on our first guest and, and really uh <laughs> really our uh, great friend of the show, uh he knows the deal. He got recruited himself back in the late eighties and John Carroll High here in Birmingham. Uh, without further ado, one of the favorite guests on BAM's radio. Joining us now live, William Redfish Barger. How you doing, brother?
3: I'm doing great, Kerry. How about you, man?
1: Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, happy with another uh, fifth straight recruiting class. I know that you and I, we you know, both had an opportunity to read an interesting post on one of the message boards today by someone in Mississippi that is an Alabama fan. And uh, he went on and on and on about the shortfalls of the class and who was doing a good job recruiting and who wasn't. Uh, I think you were as baffled by that post as I was. But all that being said, how would you evaluate the job done by the Alabama staff in this number one class?
3: Well, I mean, I'd I'd like to kind of address that post before we go any further because, it, it, you know, the person that it came from, number one, um, it really kind of confused me a little bit. I mean, he's been – immersed in, in, in the Alabama recruiting network, so to speak, for, God, 25 years now. I mean, it might even be longer than that. That's just how long I know about it. Um, but, you know, the way he went after the, the coaching staff, um, you know, naming names about who was productive and who wasn't, um, just, you know, kind of threw me for a loop, number one. Number two, I don't understand why, you know, there, there's, you know, people out there that are upset about the way this thing played out um i I think the recruiting class you know speaks for itself you know if you want to start talking about you know the elite players in this class you know we've talked about it on this show um i'm i'm totally guilty about having a man crush on, on jonah williams the offensive tackle from california that's already on campus uh, you know Jalen Hurts, the quarterback from from Houston. Uh, you know, and, and the the people that were you know added you know after the early enrollees like those guys. You know, picking up a a six foot one, one hundred and ninety pound corner. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the maiden kid from Texas, Terrell Hall. Um, I just think if you look at what Alabama's needs were going into this recruiting class and what they ended up with. Um, you know, picking up a late edition like Joshua Jacobs. Um, you know, when Drew first sent me his film, and I, I am guilty of this, um, you know, when people do that because my, my time is, is limited. I'm not a, a full-time football scout anymore like I was five years ago. But, you know, I watched three plays of Joshua Jacobs and called Drew back, and I said, yeah, this kid's good. Uh, but I, I took the time today to watch his whole highlight reel. And, and, you know, when I got done, I was like, you know, this this kid looks like Barry Sanders to me. Um, and, you know, if that's your second running back on the recruiting board behind B.J. Emmons, who I think is an outstanding player in his own right. Um, you know, Kerry, I guess what it boils down to me is, uh, you know, any Alabama fan out there um, that, you know, questions what Nick Saban does, in recruiting, you know, I just don't have an answer for that. You know, why would you – I mean, I I personally, have I kept up with recruiting? Um, Do I enjoy it? Yeah, I do like seeing who the next wave of, you know, great players are going to be at Alabama. But, you know, after what I saw Nick Saban do after one year on campus, you know, in 2008 with the, you know, the Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Barrett Jones class, You know, I haven't worried about recruiting since then, Um, and I don't know why anybody else does either, and and, and the record speaks for itself. Um, You know, I think it stands on its own. That's one of the reasons why you see, um, you know, all these, you know, national media people talking about, you know, Nick Saban being in the same breath with Bear Bryant and you know, Bud Wilkerson and and Pete Carroll and some of the other great head coaches in college football, um, you know, if you want to sit there and talk about, um, you know, Nick and Kirby having 30 days to prepare for, for Sean Watson and maybe them struggling a little bit over the last couple of years of slowing down dual threat quarterbacks, you know, I'm right there with you and I can appreciate that, but how anybody in their right mind can be critical of what he's done from a recruiting standpoint, I'm lost. You know, count me out.
1: Regarding Kirby, William, I wanted to ask you, because I know you still have some sources in Athens, uh, is there indeed a solid, dependable, veteran barber shop there that gives adult bowl cuts? <laughs>
3: um, well, you know. I appreciate you trying to lead me down the road to Perdition to make fun of Kirby's haircut, Um, but I'm not going to do it. But I will say this. I do think that Kirby has a um, kind of a unique challenge, you know, with, you know, what he's walked into, you know, he's the the prodigal son, you know, he's been brought back home. Um, I respect what he did as far as staying at Alabama and finishing the job. But, you know, on the other side of that stick, you've got the Georgia fans that, you know, kind of wanted him to, you know, jump ship immediately and, and, you know, get into, you know, the recruiting battles and stuff. And when you look at what happened, you know, as far as yesterday at the close of business, um, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think they only got two of the top ten players in the state of Georgia you know, with Demetrius Robertson still being out there as a, you know, kind of a floater that could fill in with that. And that's really not much of an improvement over what Mark Rick has done the last three or four years. You know, if you look at what, uh, the state of Georgia, the top 10 players did, you know, Auburn went over there and did a heck of a job. Uh, Tennessee, you know, took some players out of that state, you know, even Will Muschamp got a couple, um, you know, I really think that, you know, I, I respect Kirby Smart. He did a hell of a job for the University of Alabama, um, you know, since coming on board for 2007 as a recruiter, as as the defensive coordinator, as a, you know, what I would call a, a you know, next down in line from Nick Saban Soldier for, for the Alabama program. But I think he's got a, a, a pretty stiff challenge over there, You know, in Athens, you know, he's got to change that culture um, in the same way that Nick Saban was able to change the culture in Tuscaloosa when he got there. And, uh, you know, I think he's got a couple of guys, um, you know, Mel Tucker, um, the offensive line coach, Sam Pittman, are certainly stars in my mind as the position coaches. Uh, But, you know, the rest of that staff that he hired, he's just kind of so-so. I'm not a big Jim Cheney fan. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, Kerry, when you look at the landscape of the East over there, you know, Butch Jones has recruited lights out. Really, up until this, this class this year, they kind of took a step back, in my opinion. But, you know, you've got Will Muschamp, who is a Nick Saban protege at South Carolina. You've got Kirby Smart at Georgia. You've got Jim McElwain down there at Florida. Um, we all know how competitive the West is being what it is. But to me, I think the the, the next, you know, kind of major movement in, in the SEC is going to watch to see who rises to the top over there in that SEC division, the Eastern division.
1: It could be one of a number of teams you are correct in that Tennessee did not pair it up on the recruiting trail this year like they needed to. Florida, we, I'm sure as heck, didn't tear it
4: up.
1: Uh, I mean, Florida couldn't even hang on to a three-star from their own state that we took from them. Uh, So, you know, it's up in the air. It's the who's going to take control in the East. I, I would just be guessing a lot of people feel like that with the classes they already had on campus, that Tennessee is the most likely person to win that division this fall. I guess that's as good a guess as any. How do you see it shaping up over there?
3: You know, when I look at Alabama's schedule and the way it shapes up for 2016, you know, I've got that game circled, you know, in Knoxville. Um, I don't think that game, even though it was played this year in Tuscaloosa, is as daunting as it was this year because, you know, you don't have the, the tough games leading up to it. Uh, But, you know, they've got that quarterback that presents the defense, you know, the the dual-threat challenge in Joshua Dobbs. Um, They've got a really good running back in Jalen Hurd. Um, They were able to do some damage, which I did not expect them to do, uh, with the the, the number of freshmen that they had on their offensive line. Um, You know, putting my crimson-colored glasses on, I want to say that that was – related to the fatigue that the team had at that time. Uh, But I I would circle them as the favorite in the East. Um, You know, talking about recruiting, you know, shifting back over to the Western Conference, um, a lot of people thought that LSU was going to be the de facto number one recruiting class. And, uh, you know, they had some, you know, late-day departures yesterday um, over to some Texas schools. And I think that that's another thing to keep your eye on. You know, a lot of rumors came out in the last 48 hours about Cam Cameron, um, you know, walking away or being fired from LSU. Um, You know, I don't know what it is because I know Cam Cameron is a very, very good offensive coordinator. He's a proven commodity as a quarterback developer. But for some reason, that recipe is not – Produced results at l s u um so I think that's something to keep your eye on um, as we go into spring practice and you know the summer workouts and stuff um you know Kevin Sumlin you know, I think he's got a full blown mess on his hands at texas a and m um old miss is probably gonna uh you know take a little bit of a step back with the departures that they had. Arkansas is gonna do the same thing. Um, you know, Mississippi State minus Dak Prescott. It, you know, with, with all the stuff that we're talking about, there's one constant in that whole equation, and that's Nick Saban in Alabama.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. But before we get back to recruiting, William, I know you've discussed this before, but do you ever really just sit there and think if Florida – doesn't complete a bull crap down and out that becomes a long touchdown. And if Arkansas doesn't pull that lateral and two-point conversion both out of their butt, the SEC championship game this past year is Ole Miss and in, in Tennessee. Have you fathomed that yet, William?
3: I mean, I have. But, you know, Kerry, at the same time, you know, I kind of lived through that same experience Um you know, being a part of the 91, 92, 93 Alabama teams, you know, in 91, you know, we had the, um, you know, the abortion down there at Florida. Um, you know, we got, you know, we went into the halftime in the locker room. We were down by six points, got blown out, you know, didn't lose another game for two and a half years. Um, I personally feel like if we hadn't have had the, you know the injury problems that we had in '93 that we probably could have repeated, but that's what it involves. That's what all this involves is, you know, you got to have injury luck, you got to have the ball bounce the right way, and you got to have officiating go the right way. Um, and, and you know, if you go back and you look at all the the championships that, that Coach Saban has had at Alabama, um, that's all happened, um, but. At the same time, I think he has taken advantage of all of those opportunities and propelled his team to greatness from that. But every year, um, no matter, you know, what level of football it is, whether it's in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Pac-12, you've got to have, you know, the calls go your way by the officials, you know, the bad bounces of the footballs go your way, and injury luck. It, It all plays into a successful season.
1: It does, and even to be able to take advantage of those type of situations, you have to have good players on the field. And the way you get the good players on the field is do what Alabama has just done and complete its sixth consecutive number one recruiting class. So, William, at this time, I'm going to give you the opportunity, particularly uh, as a former Alabama offensive lineman, to comment on some of these new members of this class and how you see them fitting in, and how soon you think. They'll be able to make on-the-field contributions. And we'll start out with a guy you've already mentioned, and I know you love him, Jonah Williams.
3: Well, you know, the the thing that that I love about Jonah Williams, um, you know, his family was relocated, not by his own choice, based on his dad's job. Um, He he grew up an SEC kid, um, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Dad graduated from Georgia. Mom graduated from Auburn. They got relocated to California when he was in middle school. Um, went out there, but he was still raised up with, with SEC football. And you know, this is a guy that's you know six foot five, two hundred and ninety five pounds. Um, I've personally seen him run a four eight five forty at that weight. Um, just special. Um, you can't coach that kind of, and I think that's what we're talking about here. You know, the, the reason that Nick Saban is, 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 excuse me, I'm stuttering, successful as he is, is he identifies players at the high school level. Not only are they SEC ready, but in most cases they're NFL ready coming out of high school. You know, Julio Jones, Marcel Darius, you know, the list goes on and on. But Jonah Williams is a guy that can generate power at the point of attack uh runs like Rob Gronkowski is a tight end. Um I can't wait to see what Mario Cristobal molds that raw piece of clay into. Um could he play left tackle absolutely, could he be right tackle absolutely. Um you know, when you look at this offensive line class, uh they signed the number 2 by most people's rankings. I personally think that Jonah Williams is better than Greg Little at this stage in the game. But they got the number one JUCO offensive lineman in the country and Charles Baldwin. Um, some good interior players. Um, you know, Deontay Brown was the only offensive lineman that could match up in pass pro with the number one player in the country at the Under Armour game. I'm talking about Rashawn Gary um absolutely neutralized him as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, then they've got Chris Owens, um, who you know could be a center, could be an offensive guard. I think he's gonna probably end up at the center position. And then the late season steal, in my mind, um, you know, for all the people that are, you know, upset about Jeffrey Simmons going to Mississippi State, not coming to Alabama, I'll say I'll say trade all day long, Kerry. Um, they signed a guy named Scott Lashley. That is six foot seven, uh, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Um, he's got off-the-charts measurables for NFL offensive tackles. When you start talking about wingspan and hand size, um, one of the best steals of this of this class. Um, if you spread out and go to the tight end position. You know, you've got Miller Forstall out there that's, you know, probably more of an H-back than he is an NFL – I mean, a, uh, an inline tight end. Um, getting Irv Smith, who I think is a nasty blocker, might be the first guy that, you know, Nick has brought in post. Um, you know, Mike Williams and uh, – uh, oh, God, who was the tight end from uh, Prattville, Kerry? I know you know his name. Travis McCall. McCall. Um, you know, he, he he might be the answer between him and Hill Inches. He might be the answer as far as the run blocker that they've needed, um, you know, at, at the wide receiver spot, even though they might need to explore their options with a, you know, a midterm graduate there. I think that uh, T.J. Simmons, Kevin Norwood, um, you know, if they get Demetrius Robertson, um, which I think we'll see that play out in the next seven to ten days. Um, that would certainly be a boom. But as an Alabama fan, you know, the wide receiver spot's the least of my worries. I think Alabama's got the best returning wide receiver core in college football. When you look at a totally healthy Robert Foster, uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, if you look at their high school resumes, they're both former number one wide receivers in the country. And you mix in our Darius Stewart who has got extremely good ball skills, great body control. You know, you saw the catch that he made against Clemson and, you know, what he did down the stretch with Auburn in the SEC championship game. Um, You know, this recruiting class to me is, um, you know, maybe take the 2008 class out of the equation where, you know, Nick set the bar of what his baseline was going to be for building a program. Um, I think this recruiting class is just off the charts.
1: How much of a steal, and how do you see him contributing down the road, Uh, did did you think about Aaron Robinson and the surprise signing there?
3: Well, I I would like to see, you know, what maybe, you know, Billy Napier or Jeremy Pruitt thinks about him. Um, Because I think he can – and there's so many kids carrying this class – You know, whether it's Robinson or Stephon Diggs, um, it could, you know, factor in on both sides of the ball. You know, it's kind of like the same deal that you saw when, you know, Cyrus Jones came into the program or Deontay Thompson. They can all factor in on both sides of the ball. But, um, you know, as far as talking about him, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I'm confused as to why the the recruiting services, you know, didn't rank him any higher than they did because, you know, he was hurt halfway through his senior year. Um, Why does that matter? Look at his body of work before he got hurt and then rate him as a player. Um, I'll tell you, the one that really intrigues me and impresses me the most um, out of this class as a sleeper prospect And, Kerry, I know, you know, with your relationship with Drew, um, you know, you've been tuned into this thing since it started going down two weeks ago. But this Joshua Jacobs, uh, I can promise you this. If he had signed with Auburn, uh, Gus Malzahn would be propped up and be willing to say, we're going to compete for the national championship. Um, He is a nasty dual-threat quarterback prospect, um, I'll be really interested to see how he factors in, um, you know, this summer and August when he gets on campus as a change of pace running back. But I mean, he's as good as I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, for people that keep up with recruiting, um, they'll remember the name Noel Devine and, and all yes. the ridiculous highlights that you saw, you know, on the internet of, of his runs. But that's that's kind of who he reminds me of.
1: Well, I've I've even heard somebody, and you know you know how fans are, and even some analysts, they get a little fired up and they start comparing people's film. But I had one person tell me that he even saw a little bit of Barry Sanders in Jacob.
3: That was me. <laughs> the,
1: the daddy, not not Junior, that's the graduate transfer possibility for somebody. No, no. I mean, the that's, daddy.
3: no that's that's what I saw. Um, like I said, when when Drew first sent me the film. Um, and I'm I'm really guilty of this, you know, on a lot of different, you know, occasions, whether it's Jonah Williams or Scott Lashley or whatever, um, you know, I'm real quick to make a judgment off of three or four plays. I turned the film off and I'm like, Yeah, this guy can play or this guy can't and you know, when Drew sent me uh Jacob's film, um, I watched three plays and I was like, That's all I need to see. But Today, I watched the whole seven-and-a-half-minute clip, and when I got done watching it, that's exactly who I thought he reminded me of was was Barry Sanders Sr. And, you know, people say, well, you know, the competition's not that good. Look, that's exactly what ESPN and all the so-called experts said about Derrick Henry his junior year and going into his senior year. You know, at Uli, Florida, he's not playing you know, I think I think Uli, Florida was like a three A Florida school and there's seven A you know divisions down there. Um you know, people were trying to diminish what Derek did in high school. Um but I'll say this. When you turn film on and you watch a kid play, if he is head and shoulders above the rest of the players on the field and you need to pay attention and watch it, and and kind of, you know, pull some of the you know intricacies out of it. And that's a, you know, look, I'm not an idiot. You know, he's he's playing 4A Oklahoma high school football. That's probably the equivalent of four or five A Alabama football. And if you can dominate at that level of your competition, you got to be doing some nice things on the next level. And that's what he does. I mean, he just, you know, he's he's got some David Palmer moves with Kenyon Drake straight-ahead speed. I think he's, you know, once he gets on campus this summer, you know, certainly B.J. Emmons is more the, you know, the prototypical Mark Ingram, Nick Saban, Alabama running back. But this this Jacobs kid, to me, is one of the biggest surprises of this recruiting class. I mean, I think he's got a chance of being a, a great change of pace running back going forward.
1: You know, it's funny, William, how people make these judgments based on the, the competition. I, and sometimes they're right. I, I would submit to you that they're right more on the line of scrimmage than they are with skill players. I, I You know, I've followed recruiting a long time, and they were saying that same kind of stuff about the competition with Herschel Walker. But then on the line of scrimmage, I can remember going out to a high school game one night, William, and, and watching a guy that lettered four years but never started at Alabama across the line of scrimmage from some poor little 5'11", 150-pound high school defensive end. And the player I was watching drove him not only off the field but all the way into the fence on the sidelines. And I thought to myself, wow, I can't wait to see John Michael Boswell play in college. And then it kind of hit me as to who he was just blocking. So I think it applies more to the skill players as far as people that
3: go about the level of competition. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and that's what I saw when I watched, you know, Jacob's film. You know, whether the coach sped the speed of the film up or how bad the competition was, it really doesn't matter to me because he managed to emerge from that crowd of players and, and you know ran down the field and nobody was able to tackle him. Um, the, the few chances that people did have to uh, square up on him, he ran him slap over, but you're exactly right. It it comes into play. There's a much bigger difference in the level of competition and, and the jump in that competition along the line of scrimmage versus skill players, Gary, and you've already touched on that.
1: Yep, and uh... Talking about the big uglies on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, you mentioned him briefly a minute ago, but if you don't mind, go a little bit more uh, in-depth, if you could, about what you like about Quentin Williams.
3: Well, the thing that I like about him, you know, when you start looking at what, you know, Nick Saban and now Jeremy Pruitt looks for, you know, in a five-technique defensive end, and, you know, what people have to understand, um, you know, Nick plays a defensive system that is kind of unique on the college level. It's it's not unique once you get to the NFL level, but, you know, nine times out of ten, it, it's easier to factor in into a 4-3 system, um, you know, as a defensive tackle. A de- you know, the defensive tackles, you know, they're either one techniques or three techniques. they got to get up the field and disrupt, you know, the play in the middle. The defensive ends have to be edge rushers, but to be a true five technique defensive end in Nick Saban's defense, you know you've got to be versatile enough to line up on the, you know the the inside eye or the outside eye or head up with an offensive tackle, hold the point of attack, um, make plays, occupy your gaps, and then you have to also be uh, heavy enough. Um, think Jonathan Allen, where you can slide down over an offensive guard and get down there and mix it up where there's double teams, people cutting your legs out from under you. Um, it, it's it's just a different animal. And, you know, Quentin Williams coming out of high school um, is a very lean prospect. Um, he's 265 pounds. I think by the time he shows up in August in Tuscaloosa, he's going to be 280. Um, He's got long arms. He's got a high motor. Um, I I compare him favorably to Jonathan Allen. I think that's who he's going to be. You know, I know this. Um, June of 2015, uh, when they had their O-line, D-line camp, um, after watching him go against Greg Little and some of the top offensive linemen in the country, uh, Alabama's defensive line coach, Bo Davis, had Quinn and Williams rated one step behind only one defensive end in the whole country named Rashawn Gary. So, you know, all my evaluations and observations sound good, but when Bo Davis says, you know, he's one B behind Rashawn Gary, that's all I need to hear.
1: I'm glad you brought Bo's name up because – uh There's been a lot of whining. We hear it every year, and maybe some years it's true, about Alabama just not getting any good players out of Mississippi. Well, they targeted five this year, and they got three of them. And I think Bo Davis should be given a huge pat on the back for that. Just kind of expound on that for our listeners.
3: Well, taking the recruiting out of the equation, Kerry, I'll say this. You know, I was not a huge Bo Davis fan when he became – a part of the initial Nick Saban staff in 2007. You know, he he had never really been a, a defensive line coach, and you know, I, I had the, the the opportunity to uh, block Bow for two years when he was at LSU playing nose guard. Um, he's very salty. He's very tough. Um, as a As a college coach, he has really become, and I think you know this this is kind of the, the recipe that Nick likes to see. He loves having guys be a part of his program for a year or two, and then they leave and they go to so-called greener pastures, and then they come back. And I can promise you this. When Bo Davis came back from the University of Texas two years ago, he was a much, much more complete. He was a good recruiter before he ever left. But as far as an X's and O's coach, um he is he has brought a huge influence um into the program as an X's and O's coach, you know, came back. I think he he made Jaron Reed, Ashawn Robinson, Jonathan Allen, you know, somebody that I've got personal experience with and DJ Petway. Um, you know, he made these kids um better than what they were when he got there. And I think that's all you can ask for at a position coach as a recruiter, you know, they they've put him into, you know, three of the toughest areas in the country um to pull kids out of. You know, he's got the Dallas Fort Worth down to the Houston area. He's got the northern you know, him and Billy Napier have the northern Louisiana territory. And then of course he's got the Bermuda Triangle over there in in the state of Mississippi. And you know, he was able to get Nigel Knott, um, who, you know, is a very raw cornerback prospect. But when you look at his measurables, you know, 46-inch vertical jump, 4 three forty, you know, Raekwon Davis, um, who is just the most massive uh, athletic young man that I think I've ever seen um, in his position. Is he very raw? Yeah, he is. Um, and, you know, and of course, you know Bo and, and Mario Cristobal kind of teamed up onto, you know Scott Lashley. We've talked about him as well, but you know, for them to get those guys away from the state of Mississippi this year with everything that's going on over there, huge win for the Alabama football program.
1: Exactly, and I want to remind all of our listeners that the the business that sponsors this uh, hotline that redfish is on right now that we've got a caller holding on is Asian Rim in Birmingham at the Colonnade Shopping Center. Uh, Your hosts are uh, Rory and Paige Hockman. Paige, as you all know, is Georgie Salem's mom. He's the center fielder on the baseball team. And uh, they have got great Thai food, great sushi, steak, barbecue, whatever you want. They've got it at Asian Rim. And it's not too late to book your Valentine's Day reservations over there with them. They'd love to hear from you at 205-490-1444. And you can go to their website, AsianRim.com, and check out the full menu. But, again, the number to call is 205-490-1444. The Asian Rim at the Colonnade here in Birmingham, Alabama, sponsor of this hotline, the Asian Rim Hotline on BAMS Radio. And uh, we've got a caller right now that we're going to go ahead and bring in on the Asian Rim Hotline, a longtime friend of the show and a loyal caller. Uh, Jocelyn from the Shoals area, how you doing tonight?
0: I'm good. How are y'all doing? Roll Tide.
1: Roll Tide. What you got I for
0: trying, us? I have um one question. I heard um yesterday that um, Bama has got a a new quarterback, and I heard that uh, he's also um, going to be a dual quarterback, a dual threat. So I'm wondering right. I'm wondering who do y'all think will be quarterback for this um for next um football season.
1: I'm gonna let William handle that and I'll let him start off by telling you about that new quarterback, Jalen Hurts.
3: Yeah, Josh, when I think the the new dual threat quarterback that you're talking about is Jalen Hurts, um, who is a very, very impressive player. Um, he's a he's a coach's son. His his father was his high school coach um, out in Houston. Um, you know he's a guy that you know last year had 55 touchdowns. You know a, t- a typical Friday night for him. Um, you know was 250 yards passing, 150 yards rushing, five touchdowns. You know every every Friday night game that he had. Uh, he was an early enrollee. Uh, was available for four practices um during Alabama's bowl practice. He was kind of the guy that, you know, they they entrusted to be the you know, the guy that gave them the look for Deshaun Watson for the national championship game because, you know, he he's not six four, he's six two, but he's still got that same quick twitch athletic ability where, you know, if if you make a mistake and you put your foot in the ground he's gonna be by you. Um, I think he did a great job of that. Um, I do think he's a guy that can kind of, you know, push Blake Barnett a little bit. Um, You know, in the quarterback battle that's, you know, we're talking about three and a half, four weeks, I think, now before spring practice starts. Uh, But that's that's the guy that you're asking about is Jalen Hurts. Um, I think was a very underrated addition of this recruiting class. Um, you know he he, he is that you know he and Blake Barnett are basically the same kind of quarterbacks. They played in a zone read offensive system in high school. Um, you know by both of them coming to Alabama, they're going to have to kind of you know rein that zone read ability in and become more of a a pro style guy quarterback. But I think what you've seen if you go back and you look at you know, what Lane Kiffin has done with Blake Sims, who is a prototypical zone read quarterback, and, and what Jake Coker did this year. You know, just go back and look at those games last fall where, you know, you know, even though he's six six, two hundred and thirty five pounds, um, and the damage that he did to teams with his arms, if you really are honest and you look at it, um, you know, Jay Coker did a lot of damage with his legs as well. And I think that's the, the blessing as Alabama fans that you have to look at with what, you know, Nick Saban has done by bringing Lane Kiffin in as his offensive coordinator is he's really kind of gotten that offensive system up to what the current flavor of the month is with college football. And that's having a guy that can hurt you with your arm, or with his arm, and also hurt you with his legs. And, you know, I think if you look at what's going on at Alabama, you know, you've got Blake Barnett. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, Jalen Hurts is a true freshman. Um, You know, me personally, I'm not so sure if the kid that they've got committed for 2017, Jack Fromm, may not be better than both of them. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, as Alabama fans jostling, I think what you have to look at is, um, you know, the magic that Lane Kiffin did with Blake Sims and this year with Jake Coker um, and then also getting Jake Fromm involved with the recruiting process, the, the, the best thing that Lane Kiffin has done is he's totally turned the wheel around with Nick Saban. Kind of struggling with quarterback evaluations in the recruiting process, and if you start looking at it the way it's stacked up right now, let's just say that the magic number is you know Nick sixty four. Let's just say that the magic number of of him retiring is at seventy four. You've got Blake Barnett; he's got four more years. If they redshirt Jalen Hurts, he's got five more years. If they hold on to Jake Fromm, he's going to have five more years. There's a kid down in Mobile that's uh rising. I guess he just got through with his. Carrie, did, did Jack West just get through with his ninth grade year or his tenth grade year? Yeah. This finished his tenth grade. Yeah, I, right.
2: I've heard about Fish. I can tell you, let me jump in. I'm sorry. I've heard about Jack West because um, my dad works with Tracy Turner, and uh-huh. Tracy Turner's son plays. Tracy Turner, former Auburn player, plays with Jack. So I've heard about him for ever because I worked at that firm for a while. So, yeah, he's coming, and he's uh, it's a hell of a situation. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, he's a – No, no, no. no. Yeah. And what I was trying to express to Jocelyn is this. You know, if you look at Bright Barnett, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, Jake Fromm, and, and, you know, Jack West coming in, I think he'll be a senior in the 2018 class. Um, you know, Correct. Nick, Nick, Lane Kiffin's got quarterbacks stacked up, and I mean, you know, really, really good quarterbacks stacked up to, you know, take Nick all the way through. If the magical number for him to retire is at 73 years old, he's going to have an elite quarterback. And I'm talking about a guy that's a four-star, five-star quarterback to take him all the way into the twilight of his retirement. And uh, that that's something that, you know, I think you haven't seen that Alabama did a great job evaluating A.J. McCarron. But, you know, since that time, the quarterback evaluations um, have really suffered. I think that's been a big missing piece in the puzzle of Alabama football.
5: Does
1: Cooper Bateman have a legit shot at winning the job? I know his name is in there, but... I mean, you hear so much about Blake Barnett, and people seem to have kind of anointed him, which is great. I mean, his family's a friend of the show. I'm, I'm all for it. But does Cooper Bateman have a legitimate shot of winning the job, William?
3: Absolutely, I think he does. Um, now, let me say this: I know about, enough about Wayne Kiffin. Um, You know, Cooper Bateman was not his evaluation. He was not his take. Um, You know, Blake Barnett was Lane's evaluation and his take. So, you know, I think you have to kind of look at it with, you know, your crimson-colored glasses off. Um, And also look at what you saw from Blake Barnett um, last summer in the scrimmages, Um, you know, what he did in December in bowl practice, and just kind of, you know, munch on all that stuff and absorb it and digest it. But, you know, looking at all that, you know, I've got a hard time believing. Um, and we'll have to see it all play out on the field in the spring in a couple of weeks. But to me, it, it's it's obvious that Blake Barnett's kind of the odd-gone the favorite to win the job. Now, again, Cooper Bateman can certainly do it. But I, I, I just think right now the safe bet is Blake Barnett.
4: And
1: Jocelyn is still with us here on the Asian Rim Hotline. If you've got one more question, we have time for it.
0: That was the only question um, I had for tonight.
1: Well, that was a good one. And we thank you so much for calling in another number one recruiting class, and that's how you win games on the field. So uh, thanks for calling, Jocelyn, and roll tide.
0: Roll tide.
1: That's Jocelyn joining us from the Shoals area here on the Asian Rim Hotline on BAM's radio, and we're still talking to William Redfish Barger for about seven more minutes. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you about, you, again, you touched on the young man earlier, uh, but some people feel that down the road, Scott Lashley has the potential to be the same kind of player that Greg Little will be for Ole Miss, but, uh, whether it's a redshirt year or a year in the weight room with Scott Clark what have you, uh, I I think based on the tape you've seen of Scott Lashley William, that you're you're also pretty high on him.
3: No, absolutely. And I you know, the, I think the only thing that's, you know, missing from from my evaluation is, you know, getting to see him against comparable competition. Um, you know, what I've seen from him is, you know, being totally dominant, um, you know, blocking five foot ten, hundred and eighty five pound Mississippi defensive ends in high school. Um, but, but you know, if you make the the benchmark Cameron Robbins, um, which is probably the best high school left tackle that I've seen come out of, um, you know, high school, you know, in the last 10 years, um, I think Scott Lashley's right there with him. Um, you know, he's got that wingspan. Um, you know, he, he generates power at the point of attack. Um, you know, they measured his hands. I and mean, I think that's what happened. You know, you look at um, where he was on the Alabama recruiting radar a month ago. He really wasn't a big piece of that picture. But they bring him in for an official visit, and then all of a sudden Mario Cristobal and Nick Saban are like, you know, hey, 86, you know, 86-inch wingspan, you know, 10-inch hands. Um, what do we need to do here? Um, you know, and you, you weigh that against what's coming next year. You know, you've got Austin Troxell up there at Madison Academy, uh, the Randolph kid. They've already got Alex Leatherwood committed, um, you know, from Florida. And, and you know, I think it becomes a, a deal of, you know, a bird in the hands better than a bird in the bush. And they were able to get him and and, you know, put him over there at that left tackle, Cameron Robinson and Jonah Williams you shift back over there to the right tackle spot um, you got you know Charles Baldwin Curvin Curvin um, Matt Womack Lester Cotton you know to me what what Lashley's addition says to me is it takes a lot of pressure off of you know Charles Baldwin and and, and maybe Matt Womack and it allows Mario to maybe slide Lester Cotton, you know, into a, a position where he competes for a starting spot at offensive guard.
1: Exactly. And maybe one of the uh more intriguing members of this class because he's so old is Jamar King, a junior college player who is twenty six years old. Now we kind of assumed incorrectly that he got to be that old by going into the military out of high school one of our mutual friends researched and found out he worked at a factory for a number of years before going to junior college football. That being said, if you're twenty six and even if you're going against a nineteen year old Gregory Little, wouldn't you kinda of like the twenty six year old's chances, William?
3: No, absolutely. And and I'll tell you this, um there again, that was my own fault. you know, much like the uh Joshua Jacobs tape, um, you know, I kind of went into watching his film, you know, because of his size, you know, being 6'5", 285, you know, I kind of went into watching his tape prejudiced. Um, you know, I was expecting to see, you know, Quentin Dial, Ed Stenson, you know, some guys that are very physical players at the point of attack, but they don't change directions well. He, he's not that guy. I mean, he's he's more Jonathan Allen uh, than he is Ashawn Robinson. And I think he was a huge pickup Um, You know, in this recruiting class, they they needed somebody like him. You know, they would have loved to have gotten Jeffrey Simmons, um, you know, that's an elite player at that position. They got Terrell Hall, who I think, you know, he's 260 right now, and people are saying he's, you know, the next Jack linebacker, but he's going to be 280, you know, at least 275 when he shows up in August. He's going to be a defensive end. Uh but you know, Jamar King is a huge pickup in this class. And I do think like we talked about when we first started talking, um, there there's two positions that they feel like they need some help at, um, you know, with some graduate transfers and I think it's wide receiver and defensive end. Uh but you know, getting Jamar King was a huge pickup. And
1: finally, we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the great linebacker class topped by a couple of in-state five-stars. What are you expecting, and how soon are you expecting it from Ben Davis and Mac Wilson? Well,
3: you know, I'll say this. You know, I've never been a big Mac Wilson fan. Um, I think he's got some, uh, you know, attitude issues, I think, that need to be addressed. Um, He he almost got sent home from the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. Um, I'm not trying to say that he doesn't have the potential to be a great football player, but, you know, he's got to get that stuff in check. I think he got really caught up into, you know, the recruiting drama and, and uh, you know, maybe kind of, you know, became a prima donna, so to speak. But, you know, Ben Davis is a guy that, you know, played small school football. There's going to be an adjustment factor for him to play SEC football. Um, You know, both of those guys, I think, are in an advantageous situation. They don't have to be asked to, uh, you know, be interjected into SEC football as true freshmen. Um, You know, there's depth there in front of them. I mean, Alabama's got Reuben Foster, Sean Deion Hamilton, Adonis Thomas. Um, a lot of good players there that can, you know, kind of soften that load for both of them. Um, you know, maybe you see those guys make an impact on special teams, but I don't think either one of them are going to be counted on to be, you know, every down player is just true freshmen, you know, when they come in the spot.
1: Fair enough, and uh, great stuff as always. We have come to the uh, end of our first hour here on BAMS Radio, so we're going to go ahead and take a break. But, William Redfish Barger, thank you again so much for being so generous with your time.
3: Hey, thank you, Kerry. i enjoyed Jordan.
1: All right. That's William Redfish Barger, uh, one of our most respected analysts who called this show on a regular basis. And hour number two is coming up, and we're going to have two more guys like that, really, three if you count the fact that we're hoping Drew can call in around 8.30 or so. But we're going to hear from John Garcia of Scout.com shortly after the break. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from Rodney Orr of TiterInsider.com. But for now, we're going to take our one and only break of the evening. You're listening to BAMS Radio. Back in a moment. Back to Bam's Radio, hour number two. Uh, that was a very appropriate song because uh, we're going to be joined by a Johnny here in just a moment here on Banners Radio, a fellow named John Garcia. Before we bring him on, though, I, I have to give a shout-out to the Alabama basketball team for getting their first SEC road win of the year in Starkville a couple of nights ago, Tuesday to be specific. Final in overtime. Overtime. Alabama 82, Mississippi State 80, and Retna Basahan carried the team on his back with 25 points. Raleigh Norris chipped in 16, and uh, the leading rebounder with six was Jimmy Taylor. Very And big shots were hit by Justin Coleman, who used to be a, a guy that we interviewed here on this show just a couple of years ago. But a guy that we love having in our own uh, Go Johnny Go is uh, a guy who went all day yesterday and really has been going for the last several months full tilt, and I know he's finally getting a chance to chill out, and I know he's 20 minutes or less from boarding the plane. So let me go ahead and bring on a good friend of this show and a good friend of mine, John Garcia of scout.com and com. John, how are you?
0: Pretty good, Carrie. Uh How much of that game do you think I saw on Tuesday night?
4: Zero. Yeah, not a that's
0: actually correct. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been busy, as you would imagine, but obviously uh, uh, it's our Super Bowl, you know, covering recruiting and signing day, and I, I think it lived up to the hype that we're – expectations. They were met for Alabama and Florida State and Ohio State and LSU. There were surprises. Jeff Simmons to the MSU. Texas, flipping a couple of guys, landing Brandon Jones. I mean, it had a little bit of everything. The Pac-12 closed strong as the hours wore on, UCLA, USC specifically. I think you got a sprinkle here and there of, of every element of, of what makes signing day uh, so fun and, and so big nowadays, which is a uh, tip of the cap really to everything about college football. So I thought it was a pretty good day.
1: Interesting day indeed, and another great day for Alabama fans. Is uh, six straight years at number one, at least from the consensus polls. And uh, you know, you're talking about flipping and surprises, uh, John. I, I, I didn't even. I'm going to confess my ignorance here. I, until he was announced as a signee, I, I didn't know who Aaron Robinson was. But apparently, he was yeah. headed to Florida, and now he's signed with Alabama. Did you see it coming? And what do we know about the young man?
0: You know, we didn't. You know, Alabama really didn't even become a player for Aaron until January. So you're talking about the last month. And at times there's late offers that go out and some get more attention than others. We were told no visit was going to materialize. So you think of a kid from South Florida, if he never visits Tuscaloosa officially, how could he be a member of the signing class? On the flip side, he was committed to Florida from Florida. and He visited Florida officially and loved it. Everything seemed like he reaffirmed his commitment, so we were aware of the name of the offer, but that was really the end of the buzz. However, Mario Cristobal, you know, strikes again. Just when, you know, there's seemingly not a much buzz about him, he makes the biggest surprise on the Alabama spectrum and helps to flip Aaron Robinson, a 6'1", 185-pound, long and lean guy. He's got that Eddie Jackson body, also a former three-star from the same county, same uh, region of football. Uh, in South Florida, uh, and that's really the comparison here. Receiver, defensive back, safety, corner. You can do a little bit of everything, a little raw right now, maybe not as athletic as Eddie uh, in terms of the ability to play all types of cornerback, if that makes sense, but a little bit longer, a little more rangy. Um, so maybe a safety inside corner type, a zone corner type, and don't rule out wide receiver. Aaron's got some pretty good wide receiver tape as well. So a nice two way get for Alabama, and, and definitely the surprise for the top.
1: John, I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction on this because nobody final has gotten it call, right final yet. Final
4: boarding call, final boarding call, flight 1917 departing from gate number 29. All customers with assigned seats, please read <laughs> the to gate number 29. Your aircraft is ready for all cabin amenities departure. Final boarding call, Porter Airlines flight number 1917 departing from gate number 29. The doors will be closing promptly at
0: 9:10. Okay, I hope that wasn't your flight. No, no, we're good, we're good. I thought you guys okay.
4: lost me or something. No, keep, keep it rolling, we're good. <laughs> no, it was just great
1: live radio for the fact that we're talking to you at an airport. We just got to hear that announced on a, a, a podcast that has thousands of listeners and also going live right now. That was just awesome. I love it. You're at an airport. You, you've had a, a great busy week. But, John, uh, you know, another guy that's going to have a busy week and has had a busy time. Uh, okay, first off, let me preface this question by saying that Coach Saban was the first to admit that particularly with Kirby Smart uh, flipping Tyler Simmons, he he really would like to have had another wide receiver in the class. There is a, I'll call it a probability, of Demetrius Robertson, a former Alabama commitment, taking an official to Alabama as early as Monday of next week. If that official finally happens, and I know he's canceled three times, I get that, but if that official finally does happen, and they roll out the red carpet, and the academic people get involved heavily. and
0: uh,
1: is there a realistic chance that Demetrius Robertson could be added to this class?
0: Absolutely, Kerry, you know there's precedent here, obviously, longtime Bama commit was committed for about a year um early in the process, obviously, and there's a lot of familiarity with him, Lane Kiffin still the office coordinator. Billy Napier, still the wide receivers coach. Obviously, Nick Saban, still the head coach. So there's still a lot of familiar names and faces at Alabama. It's not like there was an entire staff change that led into his decommitment. Other suitors led to his decommitment. However, his board has changed. Now National Signing Day has come and gone. So he'll really find out who wants it because now it's not about, well, we're going to, send out these calls to these kids and drive our APN and wheeler by these two schools in this order because of geography. Now it's really about who wants you because all the chips are down. Is there a scholarship being held? Is there not being a scholarship being held? And Bama took 25 kids. All along, Kerry, you and I and all of us on BAMS and BamaMag and Drew Diarm and everybody, we've talked about more than 25. So there is at least one spot available. Demetrius Robertson has the ability to get back into this Alabama class. And Positionally, it makes sense. I mean, Georgia got Nicole Hartman, Tyler Simmons from Alabama, and it signed a couple of other receivers as well, including uh Cabin Ridley, the younger brother of Calvin Ridley. So Georgia loaded up at wide receiver as to where Alabama signed Travon Diggs and T J. Simmons. Simmons already on campus. Travon, a two way guy who most people still expect to play defense at the end of the day. So in terms of, you know, the path for playing, which is what these kids look at so much, the advantage for Robertson is actually Alabama over both Notre Dame and uh Georgia. So that's the biggest scenario for the tie right now going forward. So so those misses, particularly A. J. Brown and Amon Richter, uh and not informing Michael Jones soon enough before he committed and signed to Oklahoma that the spot is still available. That's the biggest advantage for Alabama with Demetrius Robertson. But Kerry, like you said, he has got to get back on campus. He's got to make the official visit, follow through with the plans uh, just to really give Bama some reassurance that he's going to be a a commitment in in, in the true sense, not just the verbal sense, that he's going to be committed to his word and committed to the Alabama football program. It's not all on him in terms of the reasons he did not show up before, but partially it is. And I think that's something that has to be uh, repaired between the
4: two parties first.
1: One of the reasons Alabama had such success last year at the safety position compared to the year before, is that both the safeties, uh, Eddie Jackson and uh, Geno Smith, they had been corners when they first got to Alabama. So a lot of times people that are corners on signing day become safeties on the field at some point in their career. I'm asking you that to ask you this. If if Alabama does sign Demetrius Robinson, can you foresee a scenario, and I know we've talked about that corner, but can you foresee a scenario where Diggs would be tried at safety.
0: He's got the ability. You know, we talked about Aaron Robinson's length, 6'1", 185. Trevon Diggs is longer, closer to 6'2", 2, 6'2 even, uh, about the same weight, maybe a little heavier. So he's got more of a safety body conventionally than even Eddie Jackson at this stage of his career. And Diggs is a long kid who has a frame to bulk up as well. So depending on what he and and Scott Cochran and and everybody sits down and wants to do physically with his body, you can see anywhere from traditional outside receiver to traditional corner to zone corner to big safety in a couple of years, depending on how he matures. Obviously, his NFL bloodline, so the athleticism is there. There's a freakiness is there to some degree. So I don't think anybody should rule out safety, especially considering what, what Nick Saban said yesterday. He's already considering what we have all said for two years, that Sean Jennings will end up. As a linebacker, Saban just cut, cut the middleman out. But you don't know, need a linebacker today, which, at the end of the day, is true, especially as he rehabs from this knee injury.
1: Yeah, I, I think Sean was thought of as a safety for many, many, many moons during his recruitment. But uh, uh, you know, it's pretty good authority that he's going to start his career at linebacker, playing for one Jeremy Pruitt, who will be coaching the linebackers as we thought all along. Uh, we've been asked not to give out the name. Of the new secondary coach, but he'll be announced probably Monday or Tuesday, and it will be a name that those people who closely follow the Alabama program are familiar with. Them, but okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk over this time, John. Uh, hopefully, that's not your flight too.
4: But uh, oh, we're I to ask, that I
0: said we're good.
1: Okay,
4: uh, I wanted to
1: ask you since you got to see him play so many times in person. Give us your impressions of, uh, one, B.J. Emmons and also of his chances of qualifying that seem a little better than they were in the
0: past. Yeah, actually, tomorrow's a big day for B.J. He's going to hopefully take the beginning of the final step to uh, his enrollment at Alabama. This is a big scenario for him. I was actually... Conversating with his running back coach at Freedom High School uh, in North Carolina, and he was, uh, he was sort of laughing with me, saying, Hey, you know, everyone's talking about Josh Jacobs as Bama's running back because of Emmett. And, and I, I stopped him right there and said, Who said that? I said, We've been saying Bama's been saying two running backs all along, but, you know, he was saying that there were reports of that because of B.J. not qualifying. He said, All the plans remain the same. June is the target for his arrival for good in Tuscaloosa and things uh, certainly are, are headed in that direction. But tomorrow is hopefully for BJ, the beginning of that final step of what he has to do and what he has to take. I'm told he's been locked in razor sharp focused. Think about it. He went on an official visit and, and, He didn't talk to anybody after that. He's all about family. He's all about getting this final hurdle taken care of before moving to Tuscaloosa, And potentially, we could be just a couple of months away from that happening. But tomorrow is a big day for him in that step. The world will definitely stay on it. But there's certainly a renewed sense of optimism from the Alabama camp and also from his camp that he'll get the job done. And off the field, I mean, you can't say how much else about him. You know, if you like Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State, I think this is his clone. I think he's a big, strong back, but don't get lured into the, well, he's big, strong, so he's slow and powerful. No, no, no. He's still powerful. Extremely fluid hips, great feet, can catch the ball out of the backfield, is a willing blocker. This kid likes to hit and get hit. He's got that sort of uh, football lifer mentality where getting hit hard jacks him up and makes him want it more. So he's got a lot of very likable qualities. During the Shrine Bowl, which is North Carolina versus South Carolina. He got hit pretty hard on the sidelines. It was a 15-yard penalty. It was sort of a blind hit. And it jacked him up and he took the game over and basically helped North Carolina distance himself from South Carolina in a big win. So that's the type of kid B.J. is, again.
4: D.K. Elliott
0: 2.0 is what I've been saying for a while now.
4: Rarely has there been a
1: guy that burst on the scene so late and has gotten so many glowing reviews. Then the other running back in this
0: class,
1: and I'm talking about Josh Jacobs. John, tell us a little bit about him.
0: Wow. I mean, talk about finding a kid late. You know, it still happens in today's recruiting. It doesn't happen all the time, and and it certainly happens a lot less every year,
6: but there's always one,
0: right? And what a big one for Alabama. This kid's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma wanted him. I think that's all you need to know in terms of – how big of a victory this was for Alabama, how much of a climb Alabama had to make to win this kid, because he was a take for the end-state power. But it was how Nick Saban approached the official visit, which was only about 24 hours long from Saturday night to Sunday night. Missouri, which was the school who finished second for Jacobs, talked football the whole time. You could be our guy for your starter. We'll give you the ball 20 times. Everything that a normal kid would want to hear, right? Well, again, Josh Jacobs is from inner city Tulsa, Oklahoma. A lot of people don't get out of his school, which is why nobody knew about him until very late in the process. He is about a life plan, a 40-year plan, an educational plan, uh, and that's what Alabama sold. Nick Saban sold that, and it helped that it's Alabama, and he's a running back and things like that. But football wasn't brought up until the final hours of the entire visit. It was all about education. He wants to be an engineer, which is the similar Pitch and close. We heard about Nick Saban closing yeah, with the Sean Hamm a couple of weeks ago or excuse, a couple of years ago.
4: Uh, so
0: Nick knows how to handle that department and selling the engineering department. And guess what? Josh got a personal tour of the campus from Nick in his own car. So that Mercedes that we all see Nick driving around. Josh was in that for a personal tour from the coach, and uh, you got to believe that helped seal the deal for what will be the steal of the class. There's no maybe. He will be the steal of this class. And in a couple of years, people will laugh at that three-star or four-star rating that he has, depending on the site you follow closely. Josh Jacobs, a bona fide star, Shady McCoy type. So you bring in an Ezekiel Elliott and a LaShawn McCoy type. I think Bama fans would be very happy about that, and I think that's what it has in Emmons and Jacobs.
1: Another guy I want to ask you about because it's not every year you sign a junior college player who's 26 years old. Okay. But Alabama has done that in Jamar King. And, John, I know that Greg Little is going to be a great player at age 19 this fall in Oxford starting at left tackle. But if you've got a 19-year-old blocking a 26-year-old, who who would you favor?
0: <laughs> well, certainly maturity favors uh, Mr. King. And this is a, such a unique situation, just as unique as Jacobs and maybe even more unique, carry, Before Bama offered, his only offer was Northern Arizona to play O line. You talk about Bama unearthing the gym. After Bama offered, he had Texas, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State, UCF. Everybody offered after Bama did, which is something we see a lot. However, what they find by Alabama, and yeah, you talk about. A 26-year-old kid, it tells you one thing, he needs to play and he needs to play now. So for him to know that situation and still select Alabama over UCF, over Northern Arizona, over Texas, over other places where he could play basically today because of his stature, and because of his reputation, for him to still select Alabama I think tells you a lot about the kid willing to work willing to put in the man hours because this is his last chance. This is a very – it's got a Jake Coker feel to it. This is his last stop uh, after a wild process. Went to a a technical high school in, in, in a bad neighborhood of Detroit, got sidetracked after high school, took some time off, revisited football, sparked as a junior college freshman. Bolts up as a sophomore, and now he's this defensive end, defensive tackle. And, again, I'm, I'm comparing guys to give a casual fans a little more reference here. This is a bigger, longer DJ Petway type of kid, except he's older than DJ Petway, uh in Jamar King. This is a very important signee for Alabama, especially on the inside where I think you'll see him more uh, and sooner in his Alabama career, perhaps immediately in his Alabama career. He's that good. He's that versatile. He's going to make an impact day one.
1: Okay, John, about how much time do we have left?
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Probably another question, and then that might be it.
1: Okay. Well, the final question, then, could you to... two, two, five,
4: how Oh, here we go. go. Okay, The two-part question, John. Two, how, three, how surprised were you, three, three, as an analyst,
1: to see the return of Sahim Carter to the fold? And where do you see him projecting getting secondary team safety
4: yeah,
0: pretty surprising to some degree, especially once Nigel not committed to Alabama. Uh, there was a sense, and I was told this by multiple people, they didn't want to play together. I don't know who initiated it—if it was the coach, if it was the chatter. There was a sense they didn't want to play together. Both guys had been on the same visit the final two weekends of the cycle: Bama the twenty-second, Ole Miss the twenty-ninth. So, once not pick Bama, there was a sense that Carter would pick Ole Miss. However, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, and Alabama's new staff really helped to seal the deal. Of course, there's familiarity with Nick Saban, and Shaheen wants to be coached by Nick Saban. So I think that indication means he starts at cornerback, but this is another versatile kid. This is something we see every year with Alabama, and this is true for Jared Maiden, too, the other defensive back. And really all four defensive backs, all of these guys, can either play receiver, corner, or they can play corner safety. This is something Bamba will continue to recruit going forward. You need that in today's college football. Shaheen may be the best athlete, pure athlete, of those four defensive backs that Alabama signed. He's that type of special, and he's that type of early in his development because he was a high school quarterback and running back because he was the best athlete on the team. He needed the ball in his hands. Now that he can focus on TV, sky is the limit. He could be an NFL guy for Alabama. Ryan Carter, do not sleep on that commitment and that signature. Very, very big for Alabama, especially in Louisiana, where LSU cleaned up and signed, I believe, 10 of the top 12. Just a ridiculous step.
1: Well, John, I don't want Chad or any of your other bosses mad at me for you missing a flight, so we're going to let you go now. But thank you so much for your time, and we'll
4: let you go. And
1: roll out tonight, John Garcia. Have a good day. Thanks so much. Happy to get back to the South. Here we go. All
0: right.
1: John Garcia, scout.com, bamamag.com, in a very crowded airport in New York City where he has been up there assisting with Scout.com and our new partner, Sports Illustrated, as they covered recruiting these last couple of days and had a day-long show yesterday, which included a lot of tape and a lot of commitments and a lot of great interviews, John. uh, Getting it done up there for BamaMag.com and Scout.com and a great friend of the show. We always appreciate having John call in on the Asian Rim hotline. Don't you forget to go to AsianRim.com, check out the menu, and call 205 490 1444 for your Valentine's day or night reservations. Don't blow it, boys. You know she wants to eat some sushi or some Thai food or both. They got it all. Steak barbecue. Asianrim.com located in the colonnade shopping center just off Highway 280 uh, here in Birmingham, Alabama. Again that phone number 2054901444. and that website is Asianrim.com. Check them out. They do sponsor the Asian Rim Hotline here on BAM's Radio, where we were just joined by John Garcia of Scout.com. And now we're going to be joined by our friend, Colin Big C. McGuire of Greenville, Alabama. What is up, buddy?
5: Not much. Hey, Kerry. Hey, Drew. You're there. Whoever else is there. How y'all doing
1: well, tonight? Not... Uh, we're doing good. Drew's uh, doing a speaking engagement up in Huntsville. We're hoping he'll call in in a few minutes. Uh, But they always ask a lot of questions, so we can't guarantee that Drew will be with us this week. Of course, Thomas, uh, the guy that answered the call, our producer, Thomas White, is with us. But, um, Big C, uh, you have seen a whole lot of Alabama signing days come and go from back before the Internet, back before the fax machine, back before press conferences on signing day, all the way back to where the school just sent you something in the mail saying, We signed these 35 or 40 guys this year, and uh, it's changed a whole lot. Uh, I've been following it since we were in school, and Alabama signed a guy named Lenny Patrick. That would have been in the fall of 79 when he inked. Uh, But, you know, it's changed a lot, not only in the fact of how it's reported, but it's also changed in the fact that the players are a little better now than they were back then. Uh, Alabama has put a sixth straight, number one recruiting class on the books. Uh, what were your impressions of how it went down yesterday?
5: It was unbelievable. And you were right on my show last week. Um, I somehow not you said they'd be between one and number three, and you were right. Uh, and uh, I guess when Ben Davis took the side of gum out of it just snowballed. And then you got Lindell or Mac Wilson, Now, let me ask you this. If they could have gotten Marlon Davidson in there, how how much bigger of a class would that have been if they could have gotten him? Well,
1: they would have taken taken him in a heartbeat, uh, just like they would have taken Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi, who we thought was between Bama and Ole Miss, and he signed with State. That was crazy. Uh, They did want another defensive lineman in the class, no question about it. Uh, y you, you know, but Alabama was number one in three of the four services, and they were number two with ESPN. So they were the consensus number one. You know, they were, you know, not consensus, but they were the majority number one, three out of four services. and uh, Had yeah. they gotten Marlon Davidson uh, or had they gotten Jeffrey Simmons or had they gotten the receiver out of Mississippi that went to Ole Miss, uh, A.J. Brown, if they'd get any one of those three guys, they'd have been number one in, in uh, all of the polls. But three out of four is still pretty good.
4: Uh, oh, I think
1: know, it he is. And it's still basically the sixth straight year of being number one. And, you know, for the first time this past fall, when they finished 14 and 1 and would have been 15 and 0, but for a fluke play. Uh, but when they finished 14 and 1 and won the national championship, they had five classes dressed out for every game that had been number one classes. And I'm talking about redshirt freshmen in that group. Yeah. That's going to be the case again this fall because the freshmen that are dressing out that just signed are going to be part of number one class. So when when you have five straight classes of number ones on your sidelines, you don't have anybody in uniform that wasn't part of number one class. And that's why so many people think that 2016 Alabama, which uh, will be once again breaking in a new quarterback, third time in a row, but – a lot of people think I'm not some people say they win the national championship again, but whether or not they win the national championship, a lot of people think that twenty sixteen Alabama will make the fourteen playoffs again and it, it just makes sense.
5: Well, it's just what he's doing is sort of like I was saying to somebody it's like somebody playing cards and you know, you win and you're playing with the poker chip and you just win it, you just bring it you just loading the table towards their way. I mean, it's just sort of like uh, it's like stacking, you know what they're doing? is just stacking players upon players. And it's just, uh, and you know, and I looked at it, I did a report on it today, and you've got players that's gone to the NFL. I don't know about that last ad there, talking about Sabin. And then every one of them, except for this one, is one of this freshman class. Every recruiting class he's had has played on at least one national championship team, if not more. I don't know what else. I mean, just, I, just, I just keep on work doing keep on doing the process, as they say, and just keep working hard. And the talent level is really uh, blows my mind how much, how well I've done since he's been here.
4: Yeah, he's
1: done great, and the process is so proven. Four out of seven years, national championship. And uh, it actually could have been better than that. He'll be the first to tell you that. But still, four out of seven years, it is a dynasty, Big C. And uh, I want to thank you for calling again, but we've already got a, another guest that's scheduled that's coming on next. I will talk to you a little bit after this broadcast. Appreciate it. Good night, calling Big C. McGuire and Roll Tide. Next up on the Asian Rim Hotline, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show, and we're so happy to have him again. Welcome in, everyone, to BAMS Radio on the Asian Rim Hotline, Rodney Orr of TylerInsider.com, who I had the chance to hear speak earlier today but I'm going to let the rest of you guys that weren't at the club for that exclusive luncheon today, hear what he's got to say about recruiting. Uh, Rodney, how's it going tonight?
4: Hey, Terry, I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Doing pretty good, man.
4: Doing pretty good.
1: Always good when you get to eat the uh, orange rolls at the club. That is the only acceptable orange in the Alabama nation.
7: Well, I'll tell you what now, those things, those are dangerous. You have to be careful. They are uh, extremely good, and no doubt about it, and um, you know, they do a fantastic job there at the club.
1: Yep, and I ate two of them. I'm not ashamed to admit it.
7: But well, that's good. That's not bad.
1: I did a lot of walking tonight good. because uh, every time I go to the gallery, I forget how far Sears is from the dang food court. and So I've got my Walking in tonight, I can can tell you that. Uh, I got my walking in. I'm not not ashamed of eating that second one. Because they didn't really give us any dessert as part of the meal. So I basically had one before lunch and one after lunch. So there you go. But I'm going to go ahead and and get back right cut to the chase, because I know you don't have but about 15, 20 minutes you can spend with us. Rodney, it was a sixth straight number one recruiting class, and it involved a lot of surprises, a a lot of flips, uh, a lot of guys that could have gone one way or the other that Alabama got, and some they didn't get. Uh, How would you characterize what went down yesterday as a whole?
7: Well, I thought it pretty much went as I expected, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought there was one, you know, it depends on how you look at it. I would say a little bit of a surprise based on what I thought and knew kind of going into the day. And that surprise was that Jeffrey Simmons committing to Mississippi State, that was a huge surprise. I felt like it would obviously be either Alabama or Ole Miss. And to be honest with you, I really thought Alabama was going to, you know, kind of break through in in, in regards to a really, really prominent player in the state of Mississippi that Ole Miss wanted uh, desperately. So I was a little bit surprised that he committed to Mississippi State. And to a lesser extent, I was surprised that, uh, you know, it wasn't Alabama because – Again, I thought Alabama had a great shot with him. I know some people didn't. But anyway, other than that, that's the one that got away. And the rest of the class pretty much fell into place. Just an outstanding class overall, just kind of looking at it if you want to. But the offensive line, they did a great job, a tremendous interior player, a couple of really good interior players with Chris Owens and Deontay Brown. And uh, then the the tackles are really kind of the talk of the the group with uh, Charles Baldwin, the junior college player, going to threaten to start at right tackle, probably might have the inside track once he goes through spring practice, see how that goes, but he could very well be the right tackle. And then, uh, you know, you also have Jonah Williams, who some people think is the top offensive tackle in the country in this class, Uh tremendous prospect out of Folsom, California. And then another really big, big coup, big coup, going to West Point, Mississippi, and taking a, a Mississippi State legacy who is an outstanding talent, got a lot of long-range potential in Scott Lashley. So I thought they did another excellent job. This is the third year in a row that they've really secured a lot of really outstanding talent on the offensive line. I think the sleeper of the entire class, I don't really want to say a sleeper because he's not necessarily that, but maybe a guy that was underrated that I think has a chance to be a tremendous, tremendous player on the college level is tight end Irvin Smith from New Orleans' brother Martin. I really like him a lot. I like his athletic ability. I like his mindset, his intensity, and the bloodlines with his dad who played at Notre Dame and was an NFL player. And, uh, you know, a wide receiver. They got some guys, obviously, that uh, could be really good players. And uh, I think that uh, they missed on A.J. Brown. That was the big physical receiver they wanted to get. But, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. They're still in on Demetrius Rock Monday. Five-star receiver from Georgia, so we'll see what happens there. He was originally committed to Alabama. Stanford has been considered his favorite. If he gets his test scores that he needs to get into Stanford, Notre Dame's been in there, Georgia's been in there, so we'll see what happens with him. Um, And then in the backfield, obviously, they really needed some running backs. Uh, B.J. Emmons, number one rival's running back in terms of all purpose. Uh, He's ranked number one on their board. So that's a big pickup out of North Carolina, and I think he's really kind of the prototypical type Nick Saban type back. He's 220, so he's got good size. He's got great speed. I mean, I think this guy has a chance to be really, really good. And then I really like Joshua Jacobs. He's he's about 5'10", 200 pounds, maybe not quite as big as some of the backs that Nick Saban usually brings in, but, you know, he he's a real, real playmaker. I mean, he he can make big plays. He's a guy you can use in a versatile role. You know, you can run him at running back. You can line him up in the slot and throw it to him. He can probably return kickoffs. Guy's just a playmaker. 179 carries, 2,704 yards, and 36 touchdowns as a senior, and they had to play him at quarterback. So what a tremendous year he had. Uh, probably the best story of the class, too, which we can talk about later if you want. On the defensive line, they got four really excellent players: Kendall Jones, Quentin Williams, Jamar King, and uh, who's the other one? I'm forgetting. Carry off the top of my head. Uh, the, anyway, they got, they got four four really outstanding defensive linemen. One of them's slipping my mind right now, but I'll remember in just a second. But uh, really, got a good group of defensive linemen that I think has a chance to, you know, kind of add depth to what they already have. Terrell Hall on the outside could be a Jack linebacker, or he could become another Jonathan Allen-type player on the outside out of Washington, D.C. I think the two inside linebackers, uh, Mack Wilson and uh, Ben Davis, certainly outstanding prospects, two of the top linebackers in the country. I think they're going to be a dynamic duo inside for Alabama. And then they added a lot of athleticism to the uh, defensive backfield. I'm talking about cornerbacks Nigel Knight, Jared Maiden, and then picking up Shaheem Carter, those three outstanding talents that can play a lot of different roles. Um, and I think, too, uh, when you look at it, Travon Diggs, who's listed as a wide receiver, has a lot of ability as a defensive back, I think you could see him ultimately end up possibly as a safety. He kind of reminds me of Eddie Jackson coming out of high school. So that was really, you know, really an outstanding class overall. And um, you know, number one class, again, I don't know what that makes. it seven out of the last eight years, something like that. I mean, it's it's been just uh, pretty phenomenal that, uh, you know, they could have that kind of success over such an extended period of time. And I've been following recruiting since 1975. And to be honest with you, I really don't remember a team ever dominating recruiting in terms of being ranked number one quite like, you know, what Alabama's done, and that would include Notre Dame, and they had some pretty good runs, as you know, Kerry, uh, through the years.
1: Yeah, I think maybe Jamar King was the other lineman you wanted to mention.
7: I, I thought I mentioned uh, Jamar, but, but if I didn't, I'm sorry. I, it I could just, have been Raquan Davis. Raekwon Davis, that's it. I, I just drew a blank, and um, yeah, and I think he's got a chance. He's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. He's, he's got everything it takes to become a, a player, and I think you know, if, he, if he dedicates himself to doing what he's got to do, he's going to be a fantastic player for Alabama.
1: Let, because we're not sure if we're going to hear from Drew tonight, he's up there speaking to the folks in Huntsville tonight, him and Freddie Kirby uh, are talking at, at the Greenbrier, and you and I have both done that, we know how much fun they're having and how much catfish they're eating and hush puppies and all that. But we're not sure that Drew's going to be with us tonight, Roddy. So I want you to go ahead and tell the story uh, because a co-host on BAMS Radio – Named Rudy Armend actually played a fairly significant role in Josh Jacobs uh, ending up at Alabama. Go ahead and tell that story.
7: Well, and again, it was it was all on certainly he he did, and it was nothing that Drew did in terms of you know promoting the kid to come to Alabama. Let's be clear about that. He just uh, had the information and um, you know did what he was supposed to do. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong by doing that, uh, but uh you know drew called me about three weeks ago and mentioned that uh there was a, some of his Oklahoma contacts had uh this player that was running back Joshua Jacobs and he asked me to look at him on tape just to see what I thought and you know, I looked at him I thought he was a fantastic player couldn't tell how, how uh, big he was or what his exact size was from that tape but I tell you what you could tell one thing that guy was a playmaker. I've already given you his totals average 15 yards to carry and uh so it went from there, and I think that the, the contacts in Oklahoma eventually reached Jeremy Pruitt, who you know, watched the tape and passed it along to Burton Burns, and Burton Burns, the running back's coach for Alabama, extremely impressed, and you know, started recruiting Joshua Jacobs, who at the time was virtually unknown. Nobody really knew the guy. He had an offer from New Mexico State and Wyoming. Those were his two big offers, and that was it. Had never heard really from Oklahoma, the home state school, heard a little bit from Oklahoma State, but nothing really too serious, and uh, then all of a sudden, within a matter of a week, he's got Bob Stoops at his school, you know, offering him a scholarship along with three of the Oklahoma assistants, and he's got an offer from Iowa State, Missouri, and then Alabama, you know, offers, so he picked up some really big offers and went from being a, like I said, virtually unknown to being rated the number six running back in the country by one of the Recruiting services, I think 24-7, bumped him up to number six in the country in terms of running backs and uh, a four-star. So, I mean, it's just amazing how he has kind of risen, you know, in, in stature among the top running backs in the country so quickly. And what a dream come true for him. I'm sure as he watched the national championship game, he had no idea that he might be playing for Alabama or have an opportunity to play for Alabama. So what a story it was for, um, you know, Joshua Jacobs.
1: Regarding the visit that's tentatively scheduled for next Monday, and we know he's already canceled three, I think, if he shows up, what, what are the realistic chances of Alabama signing Demetrius Robertson?
7: You know, that's a good question. Um I would hate to speculate because, you know, we're talking about a guy who canceled three straight visits on the 15th, 22nd, 29th of January, three straight weekends. So not only that, but at one time he was formally committed to Alabama back early on in the process and decided to back off of that commitment. So I'm not really sure, you know, when you're talking about a guy who's maybe kind of been on and off in terms of Alabama, I'm not, it's it's hard to predict what, what might happen, but You know, it would be interesting if he did end up right back where he started, which was a very early commitment to Alabama back in, you know, well over a year ago. And uh, Alabama could really use a player like that at the wide receiver spot because of some, you know, they they have some needs in this class for that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Demetrius Robertson decides to do.
1: How surprised were you, Rodney? Alabama was able to get not only get back in on, but get a commitment, a recommitment, and a signing for Shaheen Carter, and now how do you project him on the field?
7: Well, I really wasn't surprised at, at all that you know they had an opportunity to get him back, especially when Jeremy Pruitt got here. Um, I think it was a big pickup, and I think Ole Miss does an outstanding job, maybe almost as good as anybody in the country. Terms of evaluating players, uh, there's no question about that. It's the job their staff does, and I thought it was interesting that they were they were extremely high on Shaheem Carter. He was one of their top targets. They're very disappointed to lose not only Jeffrey Simmons, but also to lose Shaheem Carter to Alabama. So I think that tells you a little bit of something right there. Uh, excellent player, originally like I said, committed to Alabama from Kentwood, Louisiana. And, you know, Kerry, he's got some versatility. He could play corner. He could end up a safety. I mean, I just think that, you know, his versatility is something that uh, makes him a good player.
1: Another guy that helped break the mold of Alabama, Alabama got, let's be clear, Alabama got three out of the five guys they targeted from Mississippi. So it wasn't a lost year over there. And one of those, and the most athletic, does some phenomenal things on YouTube. Talk about Nigel Knott
7: yeah four three two forty uh forty six inch vertical leap, uh, which is unbelievable um man five eleven one seventy 170, one seventy five he's gonna get a little bit bigger, and again, he has a lot of versatility uh he could play corner, he could be a kick return guy, he could be a slot receiver, he could do so many different things depending on where you needed him to play and I also think one thing about this: I think Nigel Knott's the kind of guy that's going to be a leader. In your program, I think he's going to do a good job of that. Having a positive attitude, which is always important when you're trying to build team chemistry. I think he also did an excellent job of helping Alabama recruit the state of Mississippi. um, You know, in terms of uh, his help with Scott Lashley and uh, probably even Raquan Davis to some extent, and tried to help with some other guys. So, I think from that standpoint, uh, he is a guy that is very dedicated to. Uh, Alabama already and I, I find that really interesting
1: We're going to go ahead and bring in Drew uh, because he is on his cell phone after just getting done with his speaking and engagement and I know that he's going to have some questions for you too Rodney but Drew welcome into BAMS Radio always glad to have you Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville and we've already talked about the role you played in uh, Joshua Jacobs uh, ending up at Alabama Drew uh, big props to you on that and uh, welcome into the show
6: uh, always good to be with you guys out here at Greenbrier. It's a little chilly, but glad to be on BAM's radio. And I was just real fortunate in that situation that uh had a good source that put me on to Joshua Jacobs, and we were able to get the film in the right hands of, of the people at Alabama. And uh, just glad that it worked out really for the young man. He's a great kid. Had him on my show yesterday, and his father and Marty. And I just think they're thankful that uh, he, he's getting the chance to play for his dream school, and you always like to see – people that work hard, you know, get a break like that. And uh, just really excited for him. And as Burton Burns yesterday said, his uh, New Orleans draw, this kid's going to be quite a story. And I hope uh, he has a a storybook career at Alabama as well.
1: Rodney, I'm going to just ask you one more question, and I'm going to let Drew ask you a few, because uh, we only got about uh, 13 minutes to go on the show. Rodney, I don't want to let you go without asking you this. Uh, go ahead and, and talk about, as you did earlier today, to the small gathering. But for our listeners now, talk about, please, some of the uh, 2017 prospects that are at the top of Alabama's board. Not, not only those that are already committed, like Jake Fromm, but also some guys to really watch.
7: Well, you know, again, it's early for me, but I, I kind of went over this. Some of, I think the the state may be better next year in terms of numbers, maybe, different, you know, various positions. uh You know, I know that there's the the kid from uh, Buckhorn, Will Ignaut, uh, who's an excellent linebacker. I think he'll probably be very, very highly recruited. Already has an offer from Alabama, as does Michael Benton, who is an excellent linebacker down in Phoenix City. Those guys are outstanding players. Uh, Nico Collins is a tremendous wide receiver prospect. Big, tall kid. You know, that's something Alabama really needs is a – a guy with his kind of height and playmaking ability, and again he played at, plays at Clay Chalkville. He was a teammate of T.J. Simmons, who just signed with Alabama as a receiver. So, you know, those are some of the excellent players that are in the state of Alabama. Austin Troxel from Madison Academy up in Madison, Alabama, is a guy that is just got tremendous potential. He's got great height. He's a good, outstanding athlete with tremendous feet. So I think he's a guy that's going to be a, a really one of the elite offensive tackles in the entire country. As you start looking forward to next year, Kendall Randolph, you know, his brother was a standout basketball player here recently at Alabama. I think he's another tremendous offensive line prospect. So those are some of the guys in the state of Alabama, not all by any means, but certainly some of the top ones. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, one to keep an eye on for out of state. And again, this is There's so many guys that are going to emerge and so forth and so on. But um, this guy is someone that I really like, a uh, wide receiver from down in Florida named Jerry Judy. A lot of people think he may be the best uh, high school receiver in the country next year. And, you know, he's a teammate. We didn't mention this guy earlier, of Aaron Robinson, who was a late flip to Alabama as a wide receiver, DB. Probably more of a DB in high school but uh, Aaron Robinson from down at Deerfield Beach, Florida, is, uh, you know, joined this Alabama staff on – this Alabama uh, recruiting class on signing day. So he's a teammate of Jerry Judy's, and I think that, uh, you know, maybe that has a little bit of a – certainly might have an impact on on Judy next year. But there's a lot of great players. We talked about some of the ones that were committed, you know, today earlier when we were there at the, the club that Alabama already is off to a great start with guys like offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood out of Pensacola, Washington, which we'll have a story on him in just a little bit here on tighterinsider.com, um, an update on him. And then, uh, you know, some other guys like Cam Akers. I love Cam Akers out of Clinton, Mississippi. He's a running back, plays quarterback. You know, he's, he's got good size. He's just a playmaker. I mean, just a natural playmaker. Najee Harris, number one running back in the country for 2017 out of California. Be interesting to see if Alabama can hold on to him. And you know Brian Robinson from right here in Tuscaloosa Hill, at Hillcrest High School, guy that ran for nearly 1,500 yards this past season. And think about this: he ran for what 447, I think it was, in one game against Clay Charville, which is one of the top teams in the state. So. You know, it's going to be probably another really outstanding year next year, Kerry, and you know, we could be having kind of this same conversation again.
6: And, uh, Rodney, uh, it's always good to be with you, man. And uh, I just wanted to let you know, too, another kid to watch, and it's kind of funny. never could end up going after three kids from three different high schools in the city of Madison, but keep your eye on LeBron Ray, 6'5", right. 255-pound defensive end. From James Clemens High School, just recently got offered by Michigan, but he's been a fixture at Alabama games. And Wade Rawdle does a great job over there at James Clemens. And they had almost as good a football team as anybody in 7A last year. And if they hadn't been, their quarterback hadn't got injured uh, late in the season, I think they might have even had a chance to win it all, honestly. But he's done a great job over there. And LeBron has really grown and matured in the last year. And it's someone I know that uh, Bell Tucker was starting to get all over before he left and I'm sure whoever covers that chair could be Jeremy Pruitt but, but uh, that they, they will uh, definitely be targeting LeBron Ray just through overall thoughts Rodney I thought it was as good a finish you know as, as could have been hoped. I mean I think it could have been epic but we know two or three got away but I think considering everything and some of the things were out of Alabama's control I thought they did a very good job filling their needs and uh, obviously, I think uh, the offensive line class to me is as good as any in the country. And you may have already uh, spoken on it, but I just really love the potential of Jonah Williams
7: and uh, Scott Lashley. Yeah, we we you know went over those guys, Drew, before you got on. But I agree with you. Uh, you know those those offensive tackles. Alabama has been a little short in that regard, and I think that they helped themselves considerably with you know the additions of those guys and know, really quality prospects, both uh, the junior college player Baldwin and the two high school players. I mean, it's just amazing that they could go into Mississippi and get Lashley like they did. Uh just kind of shows you the lure of Alabama and playing there. And, you know, I think one thing that was really interesting about Lashley is the fact that, you know, he's a, a legacy player for Mississippi State from the standpoint I think it was his uncle. Johnny Cooks, great linebacker on the 1980. Mississippi State team that beat Alabama ended their twenty-eight game winning streak, and you know uh, Johnny Cooks, uh, you know has a lot of pull there at Mississippi State. He's certainly one of their all-time heroes, and you know, Alabama goes in and takes his nephew, and uh, that's just a you know what a what a coup that is or was. Well, and, and Rodney, and I got a,
6: I've been asked this a couple of times, and I was just looking at the classes of well, whole, one through twenty-five. Uh, my, to me, my most underrated guy, along with Lashley, is Irv Smith. I think he's going to be an outstanding – Another chance to be an outstanding blocking tight end. And to me, we just talked about Jonah, but I think Jonah Williams has a chance to be the best player in the class. And he's someone – I know people know how good he is, but he's still kind of under-publicized uh, because, as we all know, he didn't do a lot of media stuff at all.
7: Yeah, no, he actually – The interesting thing is, you very rarely see these guys make a commitment early, stick to it. And this guy, he made a commitment last spring. His his parents, I know his mother, I think went to Georgia or Auburn. His his dad, his mother went to Auburn. One of them went to Auburn, and one of them went to Georgia. Do you know which one it was, Drew? Yeah, the mother went to
6: Auburn, and the father went to Georgia.
7: Right. Okay. I knew that the one went one to one went to the other, but. Um, you know, here's a guy that made a commitment to Alabama last spring, and then he never he shut it down. You never heard from him again. That was the end of the recruiting process. There was no stories, no hype, no anything. And the, that's the amazing thing about him. And that's probably why you probably didn't hear a lot about him. But he really didn't care. That shows you a lot, though. It shows you a lot of focus. You know, a lot of uh, his direction. And I think he's got a lot of mental intensity. When you watch him as a player, I mean, it really shows up on the field. And I do think he's a fantastic player and, you know, will be a leader for Alabama. I don't there's any doubt about
1: that. Oh, yeah. And to sum up what Drew just said about the parents, the parents went to Auburn and Georgia, total national championships four. Last seven years, total national championships for Alabama four.
6: Well, I, I have one more thing to add to that situation, too, from pretty good sources. That His mother is, of course, an Auburn graduate. He visited at Auburn before he visited Alabama. He committed to Alabama and shut it down after that. That was pretty much why J.B. Grimes was told to look for a job and was basically fired at Auburn because they botched Jonah Williams' recruit. Well, there you go. Well, Rodney, uh, I've already
1: kept you for six more minutes than I told you I would. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, before we let you go, any final thoughts
7: on the crazy finish yesterday? Well, no, I just think again, it's uh, you know a lot of fans kind of were anxious uh, about the recruiting class. Like I said today, I can't tell you how many emails and text messages and so forth I got over the last two months about recruiting looked like it was falling apart. What's wrong with Alabama recruiting? Doesn't Coach Saban know we need some linebackers and defensive linemen? Those types of things. And once again, you know, it's just the process was different this year. The players, a lot of these top kids decided they were going to wait for the last minute to make their decisions. And Alabama came through on signing day and jumped, you know, from whatever they had them ranked to all the way to number one in most polls or most of these recruiting services. I don't know where they finished in the ESPN deal, but, uh, you know, if they get another player, you know, here in recruiting like Demetrius Robertson or whatever, Maybe Tom Lugan Bill will even be good enough to, kind enough to move him up.
1: I think he will. And thank you so much again for your time, Rodney. Uh, that's Rodney Orr of com. Appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.
7: Thank you, Kerry. You guys take care, you and Drew. Thank you, Rodney. Right, and we're,
1: we're glad to have Drew in with us after his uh, speaking engagement to the uh, North Alabama TI folks. And, uh, Drew, how did
6: it go for you and Freddie? It was great. Uh, we had about a hundred. We had over a hundred people in attendance. A packed room, and everybody was excited about the recruiting class and the way it finished. We were just glad to be able to to bring some knowledge to all the people. Got a lot of good interaction as always. A lot of great food, and uh, it was just good to be here tonight. And uh, still, there's still a lot of people here milling around at the restaurant, and it's been a fun experience as always.
1: Over and under a number of questions. Question one, Mike Bentley, I've got five.
6: And what was that again? You're, you're, I, my phone cut out. I apologize.
1: Uh, over and under uh, on questions tonight from Mike Bentley going into the meeting was five. How did he do? Uh,
6: I would say he was under.
1: Wow. Well, y'all must have had a lot of people asking questions then. But, yeah, uh, we did. We had a uh, Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so, so maybe Zach challenged him with maybe three or four of his own. <laughs> yeah All right Well anyway uh, Great finish yesterday I, I wanted to give you An opportunity Drew To uh, Because we touched On it briefly uh, While we were Working John Garcia But I wanted to give you An opportunity To expound on uh, What happened Two nights ago In Starkville, Mississippi With the basketball team
6: Well I think they, It was a great win I think they showed A lot of Once again Middle toughness And fortitude I mean they were up 51-42 After Riley Norris made a wing three and gave up a 15-0 run to go down five and uh, five, six points in the second half, but really gutted it out. And I thought the stories of the game were Riley Norris. He ended up with 16. Of course, Red Nobosan had 25. But the real story was Justin Coleman finally coming out of his slump, you know, making four big free throws and the huge three from the corner tied at 76. And it was just a game that in years past, Alabama does not win that game. You know, they probably don't even get it to overtime. And I just thought, you know, Mississippi State's not a very good basketball team. They've been playing better. Gavin Ware is one of the better bigs in the league. And I just thought, when you think about that and you think about Kesson's going down with a sprained knee, not being able to finish the game, I just felt like with no Shannon Hale in a boot, that that was a testament to Avery Johnson and his staff. Just those kids not giving up.
1: And shout out to Justin Coleman, who has been a guest on this show in the past it was announced this morning that now that he has enough attempts, he's gone 48 for 52 at the foul line, 92%, second in the nation, Drew.
6: Yeah, he, he was money from the line. He was in high school. He has been at Alabama. We hope that starts translating to the field. We all know he can shoot the basketball. He had a nice run in December, and then it hit a slump. And it would be so huge right now with Dazon Ingram being out for the year if Justin Coleman could uh, refine, you know, find that shooting touch and start making teams pay like you did this past Tuesday in Starkville. Got a winnable game Saturday against Missouri, which may be the poorest team in the league. You still got to take care of business. And then a golden opportunity early next week with the best team in the league, Texas A&M, coming to Coleman Coliseum.
1: Yep, and that'll be a a 6 o'clock game next Wednesday against A&M, which will be very tough, but a very, very winnable game at 2 o'clock Saturday also in Coleman Coliseum. And then when we went on the air tonight, there were less than 100 tickets remaining for this Saturday's game. So uh, people are buying into Avery Johnson and his process and his program. It's a great thing to watch. Uh, we're going to go ahead, and, and we've already hit the two-hour mark. So, Drew, I know you're kind of cold and ready to get home and on your cell phone, but why don't you give our listeners a, one more kind of overview of how you felt things concluded yesterday
6: for the football class? Well, I really think that uh, it ended really well. I mean, it could have been epic. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Alabama thought they had him at 8 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Then some things happened with Mississippi State, and uh, he ended up going elsewhere. That was probably the biggest miss and the tongue coach saving the most. And then losing A.J. Brown a uh, month before, felt like they were in really good shape. But obviously something happened between Ole Miss and his father, you know, to, uh, and uh, to sway him to the Rebels. He always grew up wanting to be a Rebel, I guess. Startville, Mississippi. And then really, you know, Mikay Juarez, Coach Saban, you know, recruited him personally down the stretch. They they were in very good shape for about a week, but then the mother wanted him to stay closer to home. You can understand that. And so those were the three biggest losses. But other than that, I felt like they did very well. You know, I mean, I even hear great things about Aaron Robinson that they flipped from Florida. I think he's someone that Pruitt really liked as a defensive back. And then you add Cheyenne Carter to go with Jared Maiden. Uh, who I think is extremely underrated out of Saatchi, Texas. I think he's someone that could be a great football player. And then you have Nigel Knott, the athletic freak. I think as far as groups, the secondary is probably the best group on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of athleticism there. And then the overall best group is the offensive line. Jonah Williams is my pick for the best player in the class. Scott Lashley, tons of potential. I think those could be your booking tackles on the left and the right side. And then I really believe, honestly, that uh, – that uh, Chris Owens could be a very good guard, very intelligent, 25 offers. You know, Stanford-level academics, he got offered by them uh, from the fourth, from the Arlington, Texas area. He's a very good player. And then Deontay Brown. Uh, I think with if he can lose weight and get his weight down to around 310, he could be the best guard in the class. And I just thought, overall, just awesome group of OIMs. He's, I think, the best in the country uh, for Mario Ball and Joshua Jacobs. I mean, so happy for that kid. I think he's got as much potential as anyone. William Barger watched his film today and basically told me he thought he had Barry Sanders type ability. And I just think they stole him, and hopefully it's going to be the case of uh, more good luck for Alabama and the young man, but also diligent work by the Tide and always covering all the bases. And I think he's going to be a special player. I just think he may not have as much sure-fire star power out of the class, but I think one through 25, he you've got 25 really good football players and just a great job by Coach Saban and the staff.
1: I'm going to ask you one more question because I want to get your opinion on this. I've asked everybody that's called tonight this same question. What are the realistic chances that Demetrius Robertson, A, shows up Monday and B, ends up signing with Alabama?
6: Well, you better hope that he doesn't get the grades on this next test score to get into Stanford because if he does, I think that's where he's going. But if he does show up at the University of Alabama based on the phone call yesterday, I think Alabama has a better shot than Georgia because Georgia signed a bunch of receivers. Alabama only ended up with T.J. Simmons, and I truly believe Travone Diggs will end up at safety in the long run. I think Alabama, if they can get him on campus, they had him committed one other time. If you have Jeremy Pruitt now there, who had a previous relationship with him at Georgia, I think Alabama would have an above-average chance of getting to meet Charlton, but the big key is just getting him on campus. You've got to get him on campus. I, I thought he would sign with Notre Dame yesterday, and when he didn't, I really think he's looking elsewhere and uh he I think it would I think it'll be I think Georgia's still in it. But I think it'll be Alabama or uh Stanford, with Stanford being number one.
1: And Demetrius, if you listen to this podcast, Crimson and Cardinal are very, very similar colors.
6: Well that's gonna wrap
1: it up for the uh two thousand and sixteen National Signing Day, BAMS Radio recap. We want to thank John Garcia of Scout.com, Rodney Orr of TylerInsider.com, and William Redfish Barger, uh, recruiting analyst extraordinaire, for joining us tonight. It has been another great show this week. We're glad Drew was able to join us late. Shout out to him. So, for Drew Villarman of 97.7 ESPN in Huntsville, 4 Thomas watch of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark. ObamaMag.com wishing you happy national championship happy national recruiting championships good night and roll tide you've been listening to BAM's radio
6: roll tide glad to be with y'all